Woody Womack, joined by Mike Farrell for the latest edition of our podcast. Mike, how's it going? Going great. Absolutely great. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> All right, listen, let's jump right into the topics. We don't want to bog people down. We had a big week of action. The Big Ten was back and it was amazing. But we got to start with Alabama and the biggest news really from Saturday. Uh, Jalen Waddle gets hurt on the opening kickoff, uh, breaks his ankle in like an awkward tackle type situation. Didn't slow down Alabama at all against Tennessee. <laughs> they didn't really didn't miss a beat. But uh, what does this mean, big picture for Alabama? Does this just does this knock them out from one of those top two spots for maybe the contenders? Yeah, I mean they're going to make the playoff, I think. But this could hurt them in the playoff. Um, you know, when you get to the elite teams, and how many elite teams are there? You know, there's Ohio State, there's Clemson, and there's Alabama, and then there's you know, we're trying to figure out the fourth team, but he's so valuable on special teams. And as a catch and run guy, um, you know, they've got Devonta Smith, uh, they got Mechie, they've got guys that can step in, but it's a huge drop off when it comes to special teams and, and speed guys on that football team. So I think it's going to affect them and hurt them. Um, the defense is still what worries me. Uh, you know, they'll still score points on offense, but with a guy like Waddle, you can score 50 and give up 30 um, or, or, or score 40. Without him, you might struggle a little offensively here and there, especially if you need to come back against any team. But right now, Bama will slide right through the schedule. They'll probably play Georgia again. They'll be Georgia again, and then they may lose in the playoffs. So I've, I've flipped. Clemson is now my national title winner because of Waddle's injury. Um, so Slade Bolden replaced him for the bulk of the game. And uh, I rank Bolden as a four-star, much to the chagrin of uh, – the LSU coaches at the time, if I if I remember an angry phone call I received while I was laying on the beach in Greece, uh, even though you know coaches don't care about rankings, of course. No, no, no. But uh, you know, Javon Baker may be the key guy here, don't you think? I mean, he's very talented. You know, now again, there's the knucklehead factor. You know, there's some off the field issues and question marks with him, but that kid works hard. I remember when the five star challenge. You know, he's the only kid at that five star and this is stupid little stuff but to me it, it sticks out you know how brian brise was you know out there working with the tight ends after the o-line d-line was done and doing backflips and just constant energy it was the same you know with javon he, he was out there he skipped lunch he was out there running routes i think he's got the love for football and he could be an impact guy but you know replacing waddle that's a that's a that's a five star talent who plays in the return game, as well as, you know, is heavy in your offense. You don't replace guys like that. Usually Alabama can just snap their fingers and put another guy in there, you know, but they lost Judy Ruggs and now Waddle from last year's team. So I, I think that slow them down a little bit, but like I said, they're going to run the table. They'll, they'll be in the national championship game and they'll probably lose to Clemson again. And by, yeah, he was out there with me because uh, I didn't get any pizza because you took like five slices for yourself and uh, I, I didn't get any food for lunch. Well, what I was doing is carb loading for the second part of the, uh, you know, like in the office. Um, we didn't have any, uh, what was it, fettuccine Alfredo. So I just took the pizza and just wolfed it down. It was awful pizza too. Where we, I, I don't want to name where we got it from, but wherever it was, it sucked. But I, yeah, I wolfed it down while you were out there. But you were, you were like, you were throwing passes the poor kid and they were behind them and then you tried punting and i don't know 
No, please. I was returning. I was catching punts alongside the guys, and I I, I seem to remember uh, impressing uh, with my skills. But anyway, all right, let's move on. We both made fun of Notre Dame. We sort of thought that uh, they were a little overrated. Uh, they killed Pitt, which, by the way, refused. I mean, there's a lot of problems with Pitt after watching that game closely. I mean, Joey Yellen is not the answer, A. The Kenny Pickett was hurt, fine. Joey Yellen was just terrible. Number two, they make the quarterback run over to the sideline to get the play. Have, did you see that? Every yeah, time. That's, um, that's, that, that was the old school. Who did that? The, Jimbo did that. We, my my middle school coach? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Jimbo did that way back in the day at LSU. Um, and maybe early in the days at Florida State. But, yeah, Joey Yellen, I mean, come on. I, I, I saw him at the Under Armour week. I, I, I probably immediately texted Gorney, our West Coast guy, and said, you know, no, this kid's just not good. Um, three picks, 10 to 27. Notre Dame defense looked good. You know, Ian Book looked very solid against a good pit defense. Pitt is missing some people, obviously, and the quarterback situation doesn't help them with Pickett gone. But, you know, I was impressed with Notre Dame. Now, am I ready to say – questions answered this is a playoff caliber football team no because i still think clemson will thump them and there's no way they beat clemson you know once more or less twice to to get to the playoffs so i i'm still not convinced but they did look better um yeah and and, and like you said it all comes down to the clemson game for them so that's what we're going to be waiting on but we do owe them a minor apology just because uh did I you apologize. pick up you picked them to you picked them to lose right I said they could lose outright, and uh, I said take Pittsburgh plus 10. So, you know what? I'm an idiot. I took your advice, so I'll have you. You can Venmo me the uh, the money. How much? How many times? <laughs> it was just fifty. Just 55. All right. Did you, take, did you take my advice on my lock of the week, which is Maryland no. against Northwestern? No, I never take your advice on anything Maryland. Oh, my God, we don't even have to talk about that game. But listen, I like Mike Loxley. I've known him for years and years and years and years as a great recruiter, you know, a good assistant coach. But that was just embarrassing. Northwestern looked like, uh, I, I don't know, they looked like USC with, with, with Leonard and Reggie. But they were just doing whatever they wanted to against that. So my lock of the week, I actually took my own lock of the week and got killed, destroyed. But so I deserved it. All right, uh, moving on. Let's talk more Big Ten. The game of the night, for sure. Indiana, Penn State. Speaking of coaches that you like that made horrible mistakes, James Franklin, what are you doing? Comedy of errors. Michael Penix surges for the goal line there. After Tom Allen, another coach we like, almost you know made a mistake on that kickoff. Uh, what was? What do you take away from that? Is that a fluke? Should Penn State be concerned? As a Noah Kane got hurt. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a fluke. I mean, they're going to go 0-2 to start the season, and that's really bad. And, and Penn State fans do not suffer losses well. Um, you know, I saw Franklin was on Twitter wishing Friermuth a happy birthday, and the responses were just <laughs> appalling. You know, like, oh, did you give Indiana his birthday present yeah. yesterday? And just a constant just hate and, and vitriol and all that. But he made a mistake, no doubt. Now, again, do I know if if the kid was told, you know, get down, Devin Ford? You know, um, Todd Gurley did it in an NFL game yesterday. Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm sure they told him, but he didn't do it. Bottom line is it was horrible clock management. It was horrible coaching. 
Uh, I like Coach Allen quite a bit. Um, I, I love the fact that he went for two. Uh, and, and of course, we could debate over and over again. You see these little freeze frames of, of uh, Penix reaching for the goal line. And you see some of them have like half the football cut off. Have you seen those? Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, the Penn State one. So there's no way this is a score. And I'm like, that's not a football. That's like half a football. You could, you, you photoshopped it, cut it off. I would have called it no score on the field, okay, because that was so close. Then you would have gone to video evidence and had to prove that it could be overturned, and I don't think you could do that. So this leads to the excellent question is when you have a call like this and it's made, video evidence, there's no way to overturn it. Should there be a third party that comes no. in and says, no. listen, you know, well, well, let's look at the Auburn game against Arkansas. Okay, hold on, hold on. Well, okay, that was different, though. That's an actual – let, let's let's focus on the fact that some people don't know the rules. The majority of people don't know the rules of football. Right. So, Including referees. The debate was, did it touch out of bounds before it hit the pylon? The question is – did it break the plane of the goal? The nose of the football just has to touch that white line before it hit out of bounds. And we couldn't see the nose of the ball. The ref was right there. Yeah. He called it. I think you have, I mean, like you said, you have to go with the call on the field. I was, I like, that's definitely a touchdown. No, but was I like, it's definitely not. No, I'm with you. I probably would have said no over yes. If I really was on a lie detector test, but I didn't have an issue with the call. I don't think, I really don't think you can. This was not like a couple of years ago. Remember that Michigan Ohio State game? There was like a crazy bad yeah. spot and stuff. It wasn't like that. This is a judgment call. Yeah. The old human element. You know, your generation loves to talk about that, Mike, and baseball, and you know, <laughs> that's because we, we we were you know born before DOS and uh, computers and stuff like that. So we do love the human element. But you know, the Penn State. I mean, the Ohio State Michigan one was also great for for still photos, and and you know all the Michigan fans had the long, you know made it by five yards in their little screen grabs, and Ohio State fans had them short by three yards. And you can't trust the internet, so what you have to do is you have to wonder: Can a kid like that score essentially reaching the ball out from the four yard line? Uh, you know, that's what I saw, and I'm like, mm, I'm gonna say no. And then if, it, if I'm proven wrong, let's overturn it. But they gave him the score. And listen, no no, no sympathy for Penn State. You had this game, you blew it. You lost. No, sympathy for Arkansas, yeah, but not, not Penn State. You lost. And, and listen, I like James Franklin. I like what he's doing there. I like the way he recruits. He's well sought after. But, you know, Penn State fans, and I know you're the minority of Penn State fans, but listen, don't start telling them to go to USC or you should have taken the Florida State job. Suck, you're this, you're that. You're the... Mistakes are made. I don't know whether it was on the kid or the coach, but ultimately, if you get paid millions and millions of dollars, it's on you and Franklin Blewett. That's it. All right. Uh, the next game, Michigan and Minnesota. Uh, this one was not, I barely watched it, to be honest with you. It just wasn't very much fun. I shut it off and I moved on with my life. Uh, Joe Milton obviously looked good. Minnesota was missing a ton of guys. Uh, but, you know, Michigan fans are happy. And now the question is, can they compete with Ohio State? You know, or is this the year? So they look really think? good. Um, you know, everybody thinks I hate Harbaugh. Everybody thinks I hate Michigan. And I've been pretty hard on Michigan because I don't think they've done enough under Jim Harbaugh. And I think they've been massive underachiever. underachievers. And I, I don't believe he's developed quarterbacks the way he's, you know, Andrew Luck, 
you know, that was like, he's the quarterback whisperer, Colin Kaepernick, he's the quarterback whisperer, he can do anything. No, Joe Milton looked really good. You know, he wasn't erratic. He showed off that big arm, ran the ball pretty well. The running game was strong. They're four deep at running back. The only thing they're lacking, you know, is a big playmaker on the outside. You know, Nico Collins would really help this football team. Defensively, they ran to the ball. They got some new starters that are bringing energy and excitement. I think this team can hang based on what I saw. Now, Minnesota may stink, okay? Um, you know, Rashad Bateman's the real deal, and Muhammad Abraham is the real deal, and the offensive line is solid. But my boy Tanner, Tanner Morgan looked horrible. Horrible. You know, he got blindsided on a fumble for a touchdown, and it wasn't his blindside. Okay, so he's like, great throw. Guy's coming right here, Tanner. You've got to see him. You have no hair in your way, right? There's no hair. There's no reason for you to get a sack like that and give up a touchdown. You looked awful. You threw passes to, to the wrong team. Michigan looked very strong. Minnesota looked like crap. But I'm, I'm on the Michigan. I'm one foot back on the Michigan bandwagon. I think they can give Ohio State trouble because, as we segue into Ohio State, I saw a few things on Ohio State's defense that I, I was a little concerned with. Uh, real quick before we wrap up on Michigan, how, how did they have like four guys drafted and their O-line looks a million times better this year? <laughs> I, I, you know, Cesar Ruiz obviously is a, a very talented kid. Um, Mayfield came back who, who opted up, but I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I, I sometimes think that this is – People don't understand this about offensive lines. In fact, I know this. The, the the bond and the chemistry together, it's it's almost like a symphony. You know, you have to work together. And sometimes you can have three individual talents or four individual talents and have a very average offensive line. Um, I think Tennessee, we're seeing that a little bit. Um, I don't want to send a shrapnel to the balls, but and then sometimes you can have a bunch of guys who are solid and cohesive and and you know i think this team just played with a lot more confidence and a lot more energy under joe milton too i personally think looking at that game uh this team didn't like shea patterson (laughs) you know like they just didn't They, they 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 didn't play the same way it was the Rob Cassidy of uh, football teams there, the Shea Patterson. Yeah, Rob didn't like Shea Patterson. Yeah, I love Shea Patterson. I like his dad, and you know, but I don't think the Michigan team really played for him. All right, so Ohio State, uh, we can talk about them real quick. Uh, they got behind to Nebraska, and then they just – it was a blitzkrieg was on. Uh, what did you think? What was your – you said you had some concerns. What are your – I do. I do. They're, they're replacing a lot of talent on defense, okay? So I, I worry a little bit about the pass rush the outside pass rush. I worry about the speed of that defense. Now, again, they corrected themselves. They're coming off of a lot of rust, not the same preparation you have during a regular season, but Nebraska in the beginning of that game, you know, guys like Luke McCaffrey were just running over or past um, talented kids. Their secondary is a little bit of a question mark to me. Linebackers are solid. Defensive line needs a few guys to step up and emerge but I didn't see the crazy speed that I'm normally seeing at Ohio State. Now, luckily for them, it doesn't matter because Alabama doesn't have that crazy defensive line. They don't have that crazy secondary. Um, You know, Clemson doesn't have the insane defensive line. They're working in young guys there and and, and trying to figure things out. So I don't think anybody's going to win it on defense this year. I think it's going to be a national championship that comes down to 
you know, 52 to 48. But that, that defense worried me when I saw them and then I saw Michigan. And I'm like, Michigan could put up points on this team. Now, I know the defense has been the problem for Michigan against Ohio State, not the offense. Um, but that was my concern. You know, Nebraska really showed a lot of confidence early. It is, it is interesting, though. I mean, they lost 52 to 17, and there's a lot of, you know, positivity about the loss because of the way it started. Um, but Nebraska is still a pretty long way away. But at least they're, they're showing a little bit more athleticism. There's a lot of guys on Ohio State's defense here like, oh, yeah, that guy, uh, the uh, Marcus Williamsons of the world. I'm trying to remember the, one of the guys who had a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, but I was like, well, I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. Like, you know, we're talking about four stars. Haskell Garrett. Haskell Garrett was 100 years ago. Right. Or, or right. even, you know, Baron Browning or whatever, you know, like he was a five star and you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. Marcus, Marcus, well, you know, you got your, your linebackers, so you know, your Pete Warners, your tough Orleans. And, but then you get your Marcus Williamson's and, and, and Marcus Hooker's and Haskell Garrett's and Taraja Mitchell. Remember him? All right. Another another five star. Yeah. I mean, so where's the pass rush, though? Like, where are the guys? The, the interior pass rush was good. And Zach Harrison did have a sack, but there's no Boza, there's no Young, there's nobody that is going to terrorize you. Turn that off. Nice commercial. Is that and, uh, that's my concern. You know, you got to harass the passer a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I mean that's, but those guys are going to develop as the year goes along too. I think. And so. it won't matter because again, they're going to score 50 points. I mean, did you see? You see our our guy Garrett Wilson, who should have been a five star. That's my fault. Just lighting everybody up. Jackson and Gaba. Am I pronouncing that right? I, I get it wrong every time. I don't know. I don't With know. The toe drag. I mean. That was amazing. Just, Fleming didn't do anything, and they, and they don't need him yet. But, you know, Julian Fleming could be the more ta most talented other than Wilson on that whole team. <laughs> They're just so loaded on offense, and Justin Fields looked sharp. I'm trying to think of who he reminds me of, you know, because I don't want to say a bigger Russell Wilson because I've already compared Russell Wilson to Treon Harris. Um, and I don't really need to, you know, I'm still waiting for that to happen. Um, who does he remind me of? Well, he's like six, two. I mean, yeah, I know he's, he's much bigger. Well, of um, course, everyone says Cam Newton, which is the laziest, uh, stupidest. No, here's the thing about Cam Newton that people don't realize he is like, he, he's like as big as Dwight Howard. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'm talking, I've interviewed both of them in person. I know Cam Newton here in Atlanta. Uh, he is bigger than you can even think. He's bigger than the offensive lineman and defensive ends. I mean, he is huge. huge. You cannot compare anyone to what he looks like physically. I, I can't put it. He, he seriously looks like he could easily be, you know, Scotty Pippen or something. He's that tall. I'm going to compare him to somebody. Okay. Well, well, yeah, you love that comparison. I do. I love that comparison because he's like 6'5", 230, and he's jacked up. But no, Justin Fields is not him. But Justin Fields is not Aaron Rodgers, who's a little guy. You know, he, he's not. So I'm trying to think of like a smooth quarterback who can run, uh, a tremendous passer, super accurate. And I'm drawing a blank right now. Yeah, I don't have a comparison either. I mean, I don't, I'm not very good at comparisons. I don't want to say Mahomes because he doesn't improvise like Mahomes does, which we all know is going to be a downfall in the NFL. So my two worst tweets I just mentioned right on the podcast. And, and well, I don't know, the Lamar Jackson one that's is up there, right? 
Oh, I have a Lamar Jackson one? Yeah, well, there was a lot of people who thought I hated Lamar Jackson for other reasons and things like that. He's the nicest kid on earth. I just didn't think, and I still don't think, he's going to be able to maintain that dominance. Like, people are going to figure him out. And and they kind of have, but, you know, there's no Lamar Jackson either. Uh, All right, moving on. Uh, Speaking of quarterbacks, now this one kind of took us by surprise. I liked Illinois to cover the spread against Wisconsin. It was 22 points. Uh, But Graham Mertz comes in and just, I mean, takes their offense to a completely different level. Just extremely efficient. Looked amazing in total command. Once again, I, I still say that's the number one thing when evaluating a quarterback is you know, are they straight line? Do they not get rattled? And are they in command of the team? You can't underrate that aspect. Uh, he looked awesome. And and I didn't realize until I was doing some, I, I thought he was in the five-star mix for everyone. He wasn't. Only us were the ones that had him on the fringe and we heavily discussed it. Uh, yeah, we had him ranked much higher. Uh, good. Went 42 in the nation. Number two, pro-style quarterback, the highest rated ever to commit to Wisconsin in the history of rivals. Right. So others others slept on him? I think he was like 170. I'd have to look up uh, ESPN, but I mean, yeah. we, were, we were way out in front there. And I was – I I just in, – in my in my opinion at the time, I just remember it being like, oh, yeah, well, you know, what are we going to do? Is he a five-star or not? I don't remember – well, to actually, look at this. ESPN did have him a little higher than us at 21st. Um, oh, good so, but I mean, elsewhere, he was elsewhere. 170 or something like insane like that. I just, I didn't remember it being like an outlier at the time, but I mean, you know, talk about what you saw. I mean, he looked awesome. That recruiting service down south, is that what you, we should call it? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> West for mention. me, really. Yeah, we don't mention. Um, yeah, there was discussion, you know, especially after the five-star challenge with, with Mertz. You know, he, he didn't do anything great. He did everything well, you know, and he was a kid who looked like he, you know, was going to be perfect fit for that offense, but not the game manager that we're used to, you know, at Wisconsin. Someone who could actually bring them back if they did fall behind. And he looked like a fifth-year senior on, you know, on the, on, in the game against Illinois, um, so, you know, I love 2020 because 2020 is where you can, you can slap yourself on the back for a high ranking after a kid has one game. Uh, and, and, you know, you could suck the rest of his career for all we know, but uh, he looks very good. Now, of course, he tested positive for COVID and that could change the entire Big Ten. It could change Wisconsin because one of the things I was going to write about is how Wisconsin needs to completely change their offense with a quarterback who can throw the ball now and they will be more dangerous and it will take them to the next level that they've been unable to get to with, with some of these horrible, horrible, uh, you know, I mean, Jack Cohn, not good. Um, who's the left who transferred to Florida state? Uh, oh, Hornybrook. Uh, but so Jack Cohn is your guy, man. You, you, no. discovery. He's not my guy. No. He, he, I, in high school, I thought we had something because he was, you know, a skinny kid from New York who, you know, threw the ball well and, and looked good. No, he, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's a game manager, very limited skill-wise. Last year against Michigan, was it last year? 
or two years ago. He lit them up, but that's the only good game he had. So Jack Cohn is a big drop off from Mertz. This hurts Wisconsin. Well, Cohn's uh, out though. Cohn's out. That's the only reason Mertz started. Because I Cohn... thought Cohn was available. No, he's hurt. He's out for the year. Was there a third string? Bring back Warnerbrook. Some, some guy from Ohio, Day or I had never heard of the guy. Anyhow, Wisconsin looked great. Mertz looked great. COVID test. Did you see the, the things they have to do to get back on the field in the Big Ten? Uh, no. Is it more than past tests? Or <laughs> isn't it like 21 days or something? Well, it's 21 days, but you have to not only you, you not only have to you know test ne- negative 85,000 times. You have to see a cardiologist, and you have to have a, a you know multiple EMGs and, and, and cardiac tests and all this other stuff like. You have to be treated as if you had a heart attack, and you have to be on the, you know, off the field for 21 days. Period. That's it. No, yeah. So it's just I read the release from Wisconsin, and it said we are very, you know, we're, we're following COVID protocol, and per the Big Ten, you have to do this, 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 and this, and this. And I'm like, oh my god, this like sounds like my dad who had quadruple bypass surgery when he was like 72. These are the things he had to pass. For him to go home. Yeah. Have you ever had an EKG? I feel like you should. If you haven't, you probably should. Oh my God, yeah. I have them all the time. That's easy. So what? Big deal. You lay on the table, they put their things on you. Saying. You have to meet with a cardiologist. You have to do all these other tests. Like, come on. I get it. I know the Big Ten had to back off their dumb decision and they had to implement all these things. And I'm sure somebody out there is super happy that they got their first positive. But the, 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 the hurdles you have to do to get back on the field are a, a smidge much. Okay. All right. Thanks, Doc. That's You're that's welcome. your update with Dr. Farrell. Dr. Farrell. Let's focus. <laughs> All right. Uh, Heisman watch. Uh, not a lot's changed, but we got Justin Fields officially in the mix. And unlike just giving him a spot when he hadn't even played, which was the case most of the time. Yeah, he's number two. Uh, I put him number two. That's right. Mac is number three. People are going to be upset about that, but Trevor Lawrence is one. Fields 20 to 21. You know, tons of weapons, just like Mac. Mac drops to number three. You can get out of here with your Zach Wilson stuff. Get out. Just go away. What about Ma- nobody? What about Malik Willis? No. He's got. He's about to put it to. He's about to take it to a couple ACC schools. So he's already done it once to Syracuse. Uh, so I, I want to put him, if we're putting Zach Wilson in there. I'm not. Zach Wilson's not. I put him in initially, and then I said, forget this. They don't play anybody. This reminds me of BYU when they won the national championship in 1984, when a certain Boston College team finished third after a Hail Mary <laughs> and got stuck playing Houston in the Cotton Bowl, and BYU went undefeated against a bunch of patsies and won their little national championship because they were 12-0 and undefeated. No, you don't play anybody. You're not playing anybody. He's putting up numbers against nobody. Kyle Trask is ahead of him for me. Forget it. Now, I'm going to get a lot of hate from Utah, but... I don't think you're going to get hate from anybody. I don't think anybody... Yeah, I'll get no hate, because really, there's, there's no... BYU or Utah, they don't move the needle at all, um, those fans. Now, if this if you play for UCF, forget it. I'd get killed, but Zach Wilson is not on my Heisman list, because it's just... Imagine if they go undefeated and they give it to Zach over... You know, he's a solid player, but if they give it to him over, like, Justin Fields or Mac Jones or or 
together. They won't. It won't even happen. Uh, all right. Uh, so we didn't. I didn't get a name from you for uh, Farrell against Pro Football Focus. So give me somebody off the top of your head that you really like. Yeah. With. So I thought about this because I love this feature. Um, I'm going to give you two, but the first one is uh, Chubba Hubbard. I want to know how Chubb is doing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Had a little bit of a, you know, slow start, you know, compared to Etienne and Najee Harris. So he's kind of been forgotten. He had 25 carries, 139 yards, a touchdown, and a win over Iowa State. But everybody forgot Chubba. Yeah, he. I mean, he's doing pretty well. His overall grade on the year. Uh, 72.7, so above average. Uh, his rushing grade, uh, 73.2, so slightly better. Of course, uh, you know, the blocking issues, who we always have issues with the blocking, but he's down significantly from last year. He was 88.1 overall grade and an 87 uh, rushing grade. So uh, he's down. He's down. I don't know what's, yeah. what's knocking him. Looks like uh, the West Virginia game, he fumbled twice. So that hurt his, that hurt his score a lot. Um, he only had one fumble his whole freshman year. Did you know that? Can you hear that? No, I can't hear that. All right, good. Keep <laughs> Are you listening to me talk about Chuba here? Chuba? Whatever. No, what I'm doing is I'm on a certain website that runs an auto video every two seconds. So. Okay. Well, um, the other one I want to check. Okay, because okay. in blocking, I don't care about it anymore because I, I'm fully convinced that no running back can block after seeing Ezekiel Elliott get absolutely tossed 20 yards yesterday in the NFL and the Redskins game. The best blocking running back, most well-rounded running back, you know, who can block in the last 20 years. If you haven't seen that clip, just just type in someplace Ezekiel Elliott rolled or, or okay. rolled over, destroyed. So with that... It's the Washington football team, first off. Oh, did I say that? I said the bad word. Second of all, who's the second guy? Deontay Brown, man. So all the attention's on Alex Leatherwood at Alabama, uh, Elam, maybe even Landon Dickerson. Deontay Brown is going to be a 12-year NFL pro and an all-pro. That's my guy, Alabama offensive guard. All right, uh, Deontay Brown, overall grade, 65.3. That's horrible. So basically average. He's a really good pass blocker, 83.2. Can't run block, run blocking. Uh, his best grade on the year is a 75. That was against Texas A&M. He was a 53 against the Vols. Uh, he only played 28 snaps in that game, so not a lot of, uh, wrong. Not a lot of action, so... All right, Deontay, you're six foot four, three hundred and fifty pound red shirt senior. You're like thirty-eight years old, and you can't run block. All right, forget him. He's not going to be a twelve-year pro. He's not going to be an all-pro. Forget him. He's Let definitely going to be like a fifth or sixth-round pick, though, right? Yeah, I thought I had a steal there. I thought I was going to see a guy where you're going to pop him up being eighty-nine. Oh my gosh! Wow, nobody's talking about this kid. Do, do Landon Dickerson real quick. Uh, okay, Dickerson's probably really good, actually. Yeah. I probably picked the wrong unknown Alabama office. And then Dickerson. Oh, yeah, 87. <sighs> so stupid. Had a dominant game against Tennessee, 93.1 overall grade, which is amazing. I mean, that's like super elite. Uh, so no one and will talk about center, So right, right but in I mean, the second round. He slid over to play some guard at some point. I think maybe yeah. when Brown got hurt. Uh, 
but yeah, he, uh, he's really good. And if you were, <laughs> do you remember the narrative at the time that Tennessee didn't want him? And that was why he went to Florida state. It wasn't a take. Yeah. There's been a lot of that lately. Yeah. Wasn't a take. Uh, there's yeah, a lot not, of not takes at Tennessee for some reason. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. Forgotten five-star of the week. This one was tough because I didn't really want to uh, watch the NFL yesterday. I sort of forgot it was on. I was watching reruns of Fresh Prince, and it was like 3 o'clock, and I was like, oh, yeah, the NFL. Um, so uh, this one's easy. You should be able to get this. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, did you see him yesterday? Absolutely, I did because he caught the game winner, which was a dime from Baker Mayfield. Well, did they win? The Browns. Yeah, they won. won. It was a game-winning, game-winning catch. Yep, saw it. He's wearing number eleven. So, so I have T. Higgins, who's a former five-star in my fantasy uh, league, and he caught a touchdown. So Baker goes back to pass, drops a dime, and hits eleven. Now I know thirteen, I know ten. <laughs> I'm like, who the hell is 11? It's like Donovan Peoples Jones. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the five-star guy who showed up to the five-star challenge, got hurt, uh, putting his socks on and never lived up to that five-star ranking. And now he's doing okay in the NFL. If you remember, he came to two five-star challenges. Uh, The first year he was awesome as an underclassman. Then, yeah, he got hurt. He was on my team. He was my top pick. Uh, that year and he immediately got hurt and sat out uh but he might have got a, we're on a six-year run of kids from the state of michigan being injured <laughs> within the first three minutes right i think six-year run or five year yes yeah, so definitely a lot uh but he might have got caught up in the shea Pattersonitis. you know he might have yeah. you never know well uh, he probably didn't want to catch the ball because they didn't want to block for shea he probably didn't want to catch it from him either i, I don't know I don't know Shea anymore. You know, I knew him in high school. I, I don't know him, but I'm telling you, that was a different Michigan football team. It made Harbaugh look smart, and Shea kind of let him look dumb for two years. All right. Uh, we got to talk about this while we're on the NFL. Uh, DK Metcalf, the play, heard around the world. He chases down Buda Baker, uh, runs him down. I mean, hit the top speed in the NFL in the year, right? Did he hit like 23 miles an hour or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now <laughs> to, three cone though, man, this three cone sucks. Well, can we talk about, uh, the arguments you and I had about his ranking in high school when you said he was too slow. It was a frequent thing by you that he, I think it was stiff, not slow, but yeah. Yeah. I definitely have, I got receipts if you want me to dig them up. I don't... <laughs> no, no need to. I'm sure I said slow. I mean, he ran, what was his 40 time? Four, three, three at the combine. Um, obviously he's jacked up beyond belief. He was a big kid too. He never really got separation when we saw him and he was stiff as, a, as could be, which is why that three cone dropped him in the draft. But I'll tell you what, DK Metcalf, I have him in fantasy and I traded him for, you know, CEH for the Chiefs. So I think I made a good trade, but he had the game winning touchdown too, an overtime call back from, uh, you know, for a hold, but that play is the best hustle play I've ever seen. A hundred years ago, Ben Watson ran somebody down for the Patriots. I remember, and that was a great play, but I've never seen anybody, you know, just instantly say, Oh no, you know, like most guys give up. That was awesome. He, he appears to be a great, nice kid. Um, he's always been nice. Uh, good for him. He's a superstar and he's got red hair now. If you remember, we started him, at 19 overall 
uh, as an underclassman. He finished 70th. So I was telling Gorney, I think we just saw him too many times. Uh, like, we saw him do nothing too many times. I guess that's it. And people always say, oh, you guys just base too much on camps and things like that. But I, I don't I don't think, he, I mean, he physically dominated at the high school level, yes, but not to this. I think what we saw was a six foot five, 230 pound kid who was just so physically, athletically talented that didn't dominate the way he should have. And we were a little disappointed. I mean, he didn't dominate at Ole Miss the way he should have. You know? Well, yeah, and and if you remember the debate in high school, as I searched his name last night, I did a little research. I was like, let me see what we're we're saying, and we were getting hammered. It was like twenty circa twenty fifteen. We were getting hammered from people in the state of Mississippi who were like, AJ Brown is better, you know. And that was kind of the debate at the time. Why is rivals obsessed with Metcalf? Because we had, if you remember, we had Brown, you know, right around the two fifty range. We made him a big jump. Uh, down the stretch, but there was a big separation. I think at the end they were they were close, but well, that, yeah, not huge. I mean, if he's in the seventies and we had Brown in the fifties, that's not bad, right? Well, right, but you know, don't you remember we had Brown way lower? Well, and, yeah, Brown jumped up after Under Armour, but that happens with Mississippi kids. DK Metcalf was on our radar since like a freshman. Remember? Yeah, he showed up at some of the underclassmen camps and and some of our regional camps, and we're like, what the heck? Who is this guy? Um, and he wasn't, you know, he's listed someplace at 205. He was like a legit 225. Yeah, he was huge by the end. He was huge. I, uh, and, uh, you know, somebody else had him 19th at wide receiver, and, you know, so we did all right. But, <laughs> that year I had him and Miko Hardman on my five-star challenge team, and we still didn't win the uh, seven on seven. Well, who was your quarterback? Uh, it was Jake Bentley. And then, uh, of course, probably. Uh, Xavier Gaines was the problem. Uh, he's going to make Xavier Gaines going to play in the NFL though as a tight end. Did you know that? No, that I did not know. See, that's that's a good one too. Like you know, name a kid who's failed out at one position who's going to be good at another position because I didn't know that. But he's not there yet. Uh, he's still on Marshall, but I mean, he's thought of to be like an NFL prospect. So, uh, all right, let's get a little recruiting. Uh, Let's talk about Auburn. We talked about how Gus Malzahn was on the hot seat. Now we're spilling over into recruiting. It was a bad weekend or bad week uh, for the Tigers. They missed out on uh, Lassiter, who was a four-star DB, who chose Georgia from Alabama. Then they missed out on Kool-Aid, Quincy McKinstry, who was supposed to be going there for months or if not years. And then on Monday, Jeremiah Williams – commits to florida we're not used to seeing these four and five star guys from alabama that alabama and auburn want don't usually leave the state they just lost two of them what do you think i mean this is not this is not a good sign it's not trending well even though they won this weekend no and the problem is also we're also not used to seeing uh auburn be no factor or very little factor in um in the state of georgia you know in-state battles with Alabama, you're going to lose more than you win. I get that. But, you know, they're, they're closer to a lot of kids in Georgia than UGA is. And when you look at this recruiting class, which is, geez, where is it? <laughs> what the hell is it? I can't even find them in the rankings. No. I must be missing it. 38th. Oh, that's horrible. 
That's very got, bad. Yeah, they got 13 commitments, so it's a smaller class. So I get why their numbers are down a little bit there. But when you look at the class itself, there's one thing you don't see in the entire class, and that's the letters G and A. And that's crazy. You know, I mean, that's that's been their, their part of their bread and butter. So, you know, in-state, they're getting hammered. Out-of-state, they're getting hammered. Um, it's just not working out for Gus recruiting wise. This is probably three of the biggest kicks in the cojones for one school I've seen over like a 10 day period. Um, because you know, they were supposed to get Lassiter. They were supposed to get Kool-Aid. Remember Kool-Aid before the season was a big heavy lean, you know, and then Williams was all but locked up. He took his visit to Florida in, in February, but his mom wanted him close to home. And then finally she said, you know what, you can go. Um, so Gus is on the hot seat, not just for the play, but recruiting is just awful. This is how you know when a school thinks they're getting a guy, when the fans are complaining about the ranking before he even commits. And that, yeah. you know, Auburn fans, how is Kool-Aid not a five-star? You guys need to move him up, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, they're quiet. No, it's very quiet. And listen, I've felt that Auburn has done a good job recruiting back in the Chiswick days and, and, and then obviously tra transferring to Gus, you know, been solid. They've always been like in the top 12 in that range, but these are embarrassing losses. These are, and again, you're losing to good programs. I mean, Georgia, Alabama, and Florida are good programs, but these are kids you should never lose. So they're in trouble. Um, this class has five, five, four-star kids, no five stars, uh, small London trending away. Uh, others, I don't know how they're going to finish this class, but it's the play on the field. It's such a horrible product. Um, yeah, you know. it, Auburn has a history of finding guys doing some really good evaluations too, but uh, I don't know. Like you said, you can't miss on when you miss on four or five guys, then you're, you're stretching. You know, we've seen them have to do that before where, you know, they have to stretch. They can still save the season. I mean, regardless of how, you know, these botched calls or whatever, they've won the last two weeks. So a win's a win, you know? It is, but, you know, the, 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 the you know, the, the narrative out there is that's not a program to go to for future, you know, success. Uh, they're kind of stagnant. You know, they've got two guys in the top 10 in the state of Alabama, but everybody in the state of Alabama is now pretty much committed. So they're going to have to try to replace those guys that they whiffed on out-of-state guys it's, it's going to be tough and you know we usually hear them in the mix for some big names down the stretch um you know the, the marlon davisons of the world and the Derek browns of the world going back a few years ago and there's just no big name guy that that i see them involved with down the stretch yeah and it's a it's a perception is reality and we all know that's how these recruits work that's that's uh that's how everything's maintained so before we wrap up anything else uh, you want to talk about mike let me think. I, I do want to talk a little bit more about, about um, you know, the Big 12. And, and all right. Yeah, we didn't talk about them at all. So yeah, Oklahoma State won in a, in a very difficult, difficult game against Iowa State. They remain undefeated. You know, they're 4-0. Um, you know, their schedule, they still have Oklahoma and Texas remaining on the schedule. Obviously, we know Texas is this weekend. Um, and then you got Oklahoma in November, but they could run the table and get in the playoff. If they don't, if they lose one of those games or perhaps to Kansas state, who's a big surprise this year, then the big 12 is out, but the defense, um, you know, they gave up 13 points to West Virginia, seven points to Kansas, 21 points to Iowa state. They're winning 
with defense more so than offense, which wasn't expected because you had Spencer Sanders, you had Chubba Hubbard, you had Tyler Wallace and, and a great core of receivers. And I think that's going to bode well for them moving forward. Um, but recruiting-wise, they still can't break through. Oklahoma's getting all the kids that they want, and Oklahoma State's still getting the, the, the rare four-star and the three-star here and there. So I'm not sure how they're going to break through there. But I think they're going to lose one they don't expect to lose and, and blow it. That's that's my prediction. Yeah, their their defense is, is very good. The problem I think they have, yeah, they lost a lot of guys on the offensive line. They had some surprise transfers right before the season, and I think that's – hurting Hubbard I think it's hurting the offensive line I've never been a Spencer Sanders fan uh Ellingworth yeah well Krug City will tell you that for sure I mean I saw him at at prime 21 and I mean he couldn't complete a pass I was like who is this guy I mean I was beside myself now I know he brings some other aspects to the game but I I just don't see it happening personally I don't I don't think they're going to run the table Kansas State of course already had a bad loss uh to Arkansas State, I think, right? Is that who they – they yep. lost one of the Sun Belt teams. So yeah. – but they can yeah, still win. They still control it on destiny for the conference. I do think Oklahoma is going to find a way to sneak their way back into that t- Big 12 title game. Um, can we can we talk about – real quick, this is a theme of the Commitment Issues podcast, is the, the national media's obsession with Iowa State, which is now 3-2 and two with a loss to Louisiana – I mean, Brock Purdy is not very good. You want to talk about pro football focus. I mean, just look at his stats. I mean, he he throws too many interceptions. He he's there's nobody more overrated, in my opinion, than the constant obsession with Iowa State. You sound like Cassidy. I know. Well, that's because we talk about it. It's true. Matt Campbell's the next great coach, man. Yeah. <laughs> of what? Of who? <laughs> I don't know. Remember, you're supposed to go to do, do I, you know? Do you want to guess what – now, you mentioned – do you want to talk about Purdy's stats from that game? I mean – Purdy lost it in the Notre Dame game last year. has never been the same. He was he was solid last season. Played against Notre Dame in the handbook, and he looked like garbage, absolute garbage, and he hasn't been the same since. And, and I just think there's something to that national stage thing that's that's got him. Um, but remember when people were talking about him as possible late first-rounder and all that other stuff? I mean, no, he's solid – he, no, he's not going to be a first-round pick. There's no, 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 no. I, no, but there were people that were talking about that. There, last there were people year. that there were people this year after they already lost to Louisiana talking about how they were going to make the playoff. I just don't. He was 19 of 34 for 162 yards, 4.8 yards a pass with one touchdown, one interception. I mean, you know, what, what are we talking about? I mean, yeah. He has a thousand yards passing after, after five games. Like I, I just, uh, I mean, he hit 300 yards once and it was against Texas tech who obviously has a horrible defense. I mean, yes, they do, but they're, it, they're done. Iowa state's done. You know, they're done. They lost two. It's over. Um, you know, let's, let's celebrate chopping wood, you know, Let's celebrate Rutgers. Let's celebrate Purdue. Let's celebrate the teams that are, you know, off to a good start that, that you wouldn't expect this season. And, you know, we'll take the row of the boat and throw that away for now. And, and we'll take Iowa State and Matt Campbell's the next great coach and throw that away for now. But the Big 12 is a bit of a mess. Um, you know, Oklahoma State has to run the table and, you know, they pulled that one out. But I've got them beating Texas, but I, I think they're going to lose to like, obviously, I think they're going to lose Bedlam. But 
I think they're also going to lose to like somebody like Texas Tech. No, they're going to lose a random game. I mean, yeah. they almost lost to Tulsa, who's been better than we thought, but they should have yeah, lost. He's a great game. coach. He is a great coach. I don't care what you think about him, say about him, whatever. He's a great coach. I mean, he, he just – his winning percentage at Oklahoma State is excellent. Uh, the problem is you can't give him a big program because he's a little bit of a loose cannon and he'll probably get in trouble, but he's perfect for them. So uh, hats off to the Cowboys uh, for their victory. And, you know, the Big Ten – there's going to be a lot of surprises. That's that's the last thing is like, you know, Penn State's going to start off 0-2. We didn't really expect that. Indiana's a better football team than we thought. Minnesota's not as good a football team as we thought. Michigan could give Ohio State some trouble. You know, Wisconsin's going to have to figure out what to do without Mertz. And, uh, you know, Rutgers, how come Greg is the only person who can win a football game in Piscataway, New Jersey? I don't understand it. I don't get it. And he, I'm going to say this right into the camera. Listen to me, Urban Meyer. Ryan Day, not Ryan Day, sorry, Ryan Day didn't back up. Urban Meyer, Dan Wilkin, all of you, Shiano, he's not a good game coach. He's not. But these kids play for him, and Michigan State looked horrible. So chop on, Greg Shiano. It's good to see Rutgers get a victory there. Uh, real quick, let's do it. It's, it's Halloween week, Mike, so we'll talk a little Halloween. I want to know what goes on the Feral House. Do you guys hand out candy on a normal no. year? Nope. I hate Halloween. All right, so I'm going to tell you why. First year we moved here, we've been here about 15 years. First year we moved here, we had some cute kids come up, you know, I'm a pirate, and we gave out candy and all that stuff. But then we had your 15 to 17-year-olds, right, thugs, coming around at 8.30. You open the door. They're not wearing a costume. They're like, yo, what you got? And they're casing the joint. They were looking in the house and you got some nice stuff, you know? And I just told them to get off my porch and I shut out the lights every year since. So we do not do Halloween here. Now with COVID, it's very unsafe to do Halloween. I don't care if you're in a mask. I don't want strangers at my door. Oh boy, it sounds like you're living in fear. Uh, I don't want them schnotting on me. No, I, this is what I do for Halloween anyways. I hate Halloween. I, I hate it. And everybody loves it. I can't stand it. I don't know. I like the candy. That's it. Uh, yeah. Did you give those kids candy, the older kids, or no? Nope. I picked them off my porch because they were talking about that's a big TV. Uh, I would have. Your house would have gotten destroyed by me. It would have been eggs and toilet paper, and it's uh, trick or treat, Mike. Okay, so I got a cop that lives across the street. I got a cop that lives two up that I'm friends with. I got a neighbor who's a little bit of a psycho. Um, they, they mess with the house. You know, we got a guy here, right? We're in the country. We got a guy here who puts down tax strips on our road for when people drive too fast. So if a little car goes by, like going 80, one of these little, uh, you know, 16, 17 year old kids, they'll put tax strips and blow out their tires. We don't play here. I think, so, you, I think that's, it could be like murder. You could have murder charges for that. Yeah, no, no, that's highly illegal, but he's been here. For 80 years, he's got a little street name for him. Like his driveway is a street. So it's named after him. Like he's like Mr. I'm not going to say where I live, but he's, he's the king of the town. But yeah, no, we don't play. Uh, I'm not going to. I was all for it with the cute little kids and stuff like that. But when you start telling me how nice my TV looks and, you know, wow, you got round sound and all that. <laughs> no. 
Who are these kids? Were these they sound like 40-year-olds? I don't know what. Oh, you have surround sound. Oh wow, is that a Bose? You know, is that a Sonos? What do you got in there? I listen, I don't know what's going on in my neighborhood, but let it be known that trick or treat is that's a social contract. And if you choose to break it, you're gonna get tricked. Either give me the treat or give me the trick. Uh and people in pe- people in my neighborhood know not to mess with me. You want to talk about the guy? I am the I'm a human t- uh, tax strip or whatever. I mean, you know, I'm a social assassin in this neighborhood. So I've already chastised people from having skeletons hanging from trees uh, because it's racist and no nobody nobody agrees with me. In a, I live in a place where there's a history of racial strife. You shouldn't hang a skeleton from a tree in your yard in 2020. I'm sorry. I've talked about it on my podcast every year, but people don't like, people don't like to hear that from me. Uh, I don't think you should hang anything. Right. What are you doing? Why are we right. hanging things from trees? Like right. let's, let, let's put out some pumpkins, you know, put a witch in the yard, a scarecrow. Like we don't need something. something. I'm telling you, it's every house on my street. Well, people are close. I mean, we know that we learned that and, I grew up in the house of a, of a military man who fought in World War II, a Marine, and, uh, you know, the tradition was to shut the lights out and scare the kids, and we got egged every year, you know, and he would tell me as a 12-year-old, go find out who egged us, and you go beat him up, blah, blah, blah. So I, ch- I carried on that tradition, but no one has egged me. Um, we don't put pumpkins out so they can't smash them anymore. We did that, and they smashed our pumpkins. Okay, good. At least they did I, Listen, I got a security system after that, you know? I am not, there's, there's, there's a group of ruffians down the road, right? It's an apartment complex that's well known where I live. And they're just ruffians. That's all I can describe them as. And they go out on Halloween in mass after it's dark in large groups. And I'm not having it. Nope. So I hide in my room <laughs> with the wife and the dog and the cat. And we shut out all the lights. And then we go out, you know, like 10 o'clock to see if there's any damage, but but I also eat a full pound bag of candy corn every year and then I get sick. And uh, that's going to happen probably Tuesday or Wednesday this week. So, so you're, so you're a pro candy corn person. I am until I eat the pound of candy corn. Then I say, I'm never doing this again. And then I do it again the next October. I like the pumpkins, the mellow cream pumpkins. Uh, those are dangerous. Yeah. Those, those are, those I mean, are really good. You take, I like the, the, uh, the, what's it, the Indian corn with the chocolate. Yeah, I don't know if it's called that anymore, but <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I the chocolate with... candy corn. It's called it's called the candy. Uh, like, like the, the Washington party. football team. The Washington football team and the, the candy up on candy corn. I can't do anything right. <laughs> the candy you eat is what it's called. <laughs> the candy the, the candy corn with the chocolate in it is what I like. That's the okay. The pumpkins are a little diesel. They'll fill you up more. You'll you'll throw up more. So, but that's Halloween. Well, I'm hey, not looking forward to it. You want to get some social media interaction? Tweet, tweet yourself with that candy corn. Uh, it's uh, highly controversial. So, all right, that wraps it up for us. If you want to leave us a review, go to the Godfather and Gorney feed. You go to the Commitment Issues feed. You go to our YouTube page, uh, YouTube.com/slash/RivalsFeatures. You can watch me and Mike, and of course, uh, we tweet a lot of these clips as well. So. Please subscribe uh, on your podcast platform of choice, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or subscribe to YouTube. YouTube's going up, baby. We're, we're, they put, put us on here, forget it. Subscribers are through the roof. So go to Instagram too. Rivals.com is, you're well over 100,000 now, right? 
Yeah, 130. Uh, yeah, and and uh, Rivals Godfather because uh, my social media manager couldn't get me Rivals Mike for some reason, even though it's been vacated. Um, Nothing can happen right now because of the stupid election. Nope. Yes, but it, that's growing steadily. I'm over 3,000, almost at 4,000 now. So I'm pretty excited about that. All right. So follow us there. Hit us up. Let us know if you want us to talk about anything, have any guests. Uh, listen to Mike and Gorney later in the week. I'm still efforting uh, guests on my end uh, for the commitment issues feed. So, all right, Mike, thanks a lot. Bye.